2017, three men joined together in a pact to see what they could collectively do to advance civilization, further the cause of world peace, and elevate mankind. These three men were internationally renowned musician and Linkin Park multi-instrumentalist Dave Phoenix Farrell, multiple PGA Tour champion and world-class golfer Brendan Steele, and Mark. They named themselves the Members. Those who they chose to sit with and ponder the mysteries of the universe, they named the Guests. What you're about to listen to is one of those historic conversations. Welcome to the Member Guest Podcast. Welcome to Member Guest. Here we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Member Guest. Uh, today, as in all of Season 1, we are here at the brewery in beautiful Placentia, California. The brewery has been kind enough to let us use their space, uh, let us use their gear to record our wonderfully soothing voices and to keep us freshly hydrated on plenty of awesome beers. With me, as always, is Mark and Brendan. What's up, guys? Super excited to be here. Got uh, a couple great guests today. We've got a lot of beer and a lot of dudes in this room right now. Hmm. That usually would be a bad thing. (laughs) So without further ado, without further ado, our first guest played his college golf at UNLV. Oh God! Turned pro in 2000. Here we go. go. Has four career PGA Tour victories. Has played 339 career PGA Tour events and is a member of the victorious U.S. Presidents Cup team this year. Mr. Charlie Hoffman. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, John. I appreciate that clap. The claps are coming from. Let's not, talk, who, let's not talk where the clap came from. It's pretty short. Let's go quick, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> a man who played his college golf at Long Beach State turned pro in 2002. Come on. Two. Why you got to date myself? <laughs> has 16 career top tens on the PGA Tour and has played in 186 career PGA Tour events. That's Mr. It? John Mallinger. <laughs> that's John's clapping for himself. Yeah, wasn't, that was the opportunity, Charlie, for yeah, you to clap yeah, for John. That's where he comes in. That that's, that's not his specialty. He's not going to hop in His there. specialty is himself. <laughs> <laughs> At least I didn't clap for myself. I mean, no one else was. <laughs> it was appropriate. Pretty much this is exactly why you guys are on the show. I mean, you guys are that perfect dynamic of great friends who actually hate each other. Time out. We're not great friends. True statement. Okay, <laughs> but so, we do hate each other. This is the same person that was in my wedding, and he cut off his sleeves <laughs> of the tuxedo, and they would not let him in the bar because they called him Fred Flintstone. <laughs> True statement. Charlie, response? I still got that tuxedo that I rented in my closet. Well, you got to pay for it because you ripped off the sleeves. <laughs> that was the most expensive $2 suit I've ever bought. Okay. Guys, welcome. Happy that you're here. We usually stick to one guest, but Brendan was telling us this would be a good opportunity for us to put on two guys, good friends for the long haul. It's debatable, obviously, whether you guys are are actually friends, not whatever. We don't really care. But dive back into how did you guys meet? I know you both grew up in San Diego. Was it junior golf? Was it like... I know exactly who we met. We met? met. (laughs) Francis, we met? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> we were in high school. Charlie was a, a senior in, I think I was a freshman. It was CIF. And this guy was so freaking long. He was way longer than he is now. Not even close. Because he was skinny. Look at him now. <laughs> he can barely fit on that table. 
I thought it was my head that was big. It is. But the whole body is now big. Before, it was just your head. Now, I'm proportional yeah. now? So I remember, I'm like, damn, this guy's really good. He's state champion. He's going to UNLV. I'm nervous. I'm like, dang. We, this, we get on this part three, 160 yards. I'm like five foot one, 85 pounds. I, I literally can't hit it out of my shadow. I still can't. But Charlie hits nine iron. I hit three. <laughs> this is why you're state champion. Two-time, I well, think. Were you two-time? Uh, I think probably one at that year that you played with me. So probably went to two-time. Yeah. But uh, I don't remember meeting John, so that's that's that That's usually Charlie's response to everybody he meets. <laughs> it's like, I don't remember you, but you remember me. Charlie, do you have a first memory of John? Not not necessarily maybe the first time he met, but the first time he actually, I actually registered. Re- I retired him from ping pong. He'll never play again against no, me. I pl- get, against I'll, me. I'll play you anytime. Let's go. Right. I'm not scared of you. All right. I you literally you broke my window at my house. No, I just I just put dings in your drywall. I didn't break your window. <laughs> that you never paid for. Of course I didn't pay for it. It wasn't my house. <laughs> How did you guys first meet Brendan? Any early Man, things this, with that? Yeah, I do. He was uh he was just like skinny kid from Riverside that just <laughs> always tried to just grind his way everywhere. I think I was on the web or nationwide then, and you were coming up, and I got on tour, and you got on the nationwide, and we kind of text back and forth, and our thing was always like, Mike, you got to get in the dirt, you got to fucking grind it out, you know. So our thing was texting back and forth. It was always like one more pyramid, because every time we had pyramids of balls, I was like, you got to hit one more pyramid. So every, we, you know, that was kind of our thing back in the day. Yeah, and whenever somebody would play well. Yeah. It would be like, hey, great playing. And then one more pyramid. Yeah, one more pyramid. Um, but John, uh, and this pains me to say it because I don't like to say anything nice about him. In those days when I first turned pro and I was playing mini tours and Canadian tour and John had already started Monday qualifying for web.com events. And that to a guy playing mini tours and Canadian tour is a huge deal. Is like, oh, my God, he's actually doing it. You know, he's actually getting into these tournaments. He's playing well. And when you know somebody that's actually doing it, for me, that always made it feel like it was somewhat attainable. Whereas if you don't know anybody that's done it, even when you're you're playing well or you're playing with other guys who are playing well, if they haven't achieved that that sort of thing, then then you don't feel like it's that even possible for you. Well, it's it's kind of one of those things where you can relate to someone. You know, it's like, oh, I, I played against that guy in college. I. He's doing it, so now I have a chance to. You know, it's it's really tough in golf because you're on your own. You go, you know, when I got done with college, I got I took out a credit card, I got my car, and I drove to Texas, and I was like, I'm playing that tight lights tour. I'm gonna stay in red roofs. I'm gonna grind it out, see what happens. And I lost twenty thousand dollars my first two years. And my dad's like, Hey, I think it's probably time to maybe get a job or something. And I was like, All right, so I gave it one more shot. I drove from Dallas straight to Sacramento. I played the Spanos tour tour championship and i finished second i was like i just made 10 grand i am loaded (laughs) (laughs) my dad doesn't want any of this money back i'm like this is amazing so kind of kickstarted my career and it's just stuff like that how much of that money did you spend that night eight (laughs) (laughs) no in sacramento (laughs) yeah which is impossible but you know it's like brendan like he saw me do it and he's like you know i competed against him if you can do it, I can do it. It's kind of that's kind of how it works in golf, you know. I think it does to some 
respect, like I've always been that guy that's like, if I see somebody else doing it that I know and that I've played with, like it, it excites me and it gets me more motivated. I've had other guys who get upset when I play well. Like I'll hear it from, you know, another friend or a friend of a friend. They'll say, oh yeah, so-and-so he's, he's really upset. Like when you, when you won your rookie year on tour, it was like, he told me before the final round, oh, uh, if Steele wins today, then I'm quitting golf because that's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And I think that's something that always holds people back. Like if, they, if they're if they outwardly kind of like looking at people and going like, I'm way better than him and I'm so upset that he's having success, that really holds you back. Whereas like John was having success and it made me think, okay, it's possible. That's one thing that I always think is really actually crazy that I don't think people appreciate enough about golf is how limited a window there is for for players to compete. And by limited, I mean like how small of a number of pros there are that are playing on the PGA Tour or even extending beyond that, playing on the European Tour and Asian Tour and whatever else. Mark and I talk about this all the time. If you're the 125th best soccer player in the world, you are killing it. Like you are set up, like you're playing for a huge club You've got a huge contract. And the same thing goes with football. The same thing goes with the NBA. In golf, it's it's such a tight number. If you're the 125th or even if you start to push it back a little bit, right, if you're the 175th player in the world, like you might be struggling to figure out where you're going to be playing next year, how that's going to work. Do you guys think about it in regards to like how elite when you think about it, that well, group it, of guys really there's is? 100, there's 125 jobs in our, in, on the yeah. PJ Tour, right? So. If you take every other sport, it's like you said, it's not even close. That's two NFL football teams, right? Correct. NBA is probably what three hundred, and then you have NHL. I mean, it's not even close. So, and the other thing that I always and, think about, and we're so underpaid. When I say we, I mean them. You got paid. I, yeah, but I'm just saying, <laughs> as far as the PJ Tour and other athletes, we are extremely underpaid. With such a can we play higher guys, or lower right now? Higher or lower? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll play this game. Okay. Is John Mallinger ranked higher or lower than Tiger Woods in the world? <laughs> this is a good question. This is actually really close. I, say, I, I haven't played in like five months. I like, only played five events last year. John, I'm I think go, Tiger I'm, edged me out because he played in that 18-man field and he moved up like 800 spots, I think. I think he did, yeah. So he's probably like he's probably like 750. I'm probably like 900. You're 11, 92. What is he? Uh, hold on, I get the woods here in a second. Uh, I don't know the answer to this question. He's probably like seven fifty now. Yeah. He's six sixty four. He's twice as good as you. <laughs> <laughs> so you have seven majors. No, he's like seventy nine times better than me. For me, the other thing about um, the PGA Tour as well is that you can play for a longer time. So, like, you have guys who are fifty years old and winning tournaments or competing at a really high level which you don't have in other sports. So now you're taking that 125 guys and you're spreading it over basically like 19 to 50, right? Whereas if you're playing soccer or whatever, I mean, my friends that play other sports, by the time they're 35, it's kind of like, are you really still playing? Or they're kind of like slowing down or, you know, stopping to play at like 32 or 33 or something like that. So, and in golf, you'd be like in the middle of your career. There's like a feast or famine mentality in anything. And in golf, it's almost the most famine mentality of any sport there is because there is such a limited window and such a tight competitive thing where if you are the personality type 
that would lend yourself to think that way or be that way. You would just see everybody, even if it's your friend who's succeeding as a stumbling block to your own success. Instead of like Charlie plays on the president's cup team and then everybody else is like, wow, I'd love to be one of the, one of those guys in that squad. But here's the problem. I don't give a shit. I'll still beat him tomorrow. (laughs) And I don't, I'm not 1100 in the world because I I literally don't give a shit about playing him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he does. Oh, it it hurts. He knows. And, And Charlie, truth be told, Mally immediately took that personally that I was as if I was speaking yeah. about him. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, of course it was. I'm okay with that though. I'll he will. He still will beat me. There's no question. Oh, but. I'm so in your dumb. It's a joke. I yeah, get you tomorrow. You, you own me. Whatever Too you bad want. you don't play on my tour, but that's all right. My tour. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure it's Tiger's tour. <laughs> no, Tiger doesn't play on that tour. I'm either. pretty sure it's still Tiger's tour. <laughs> he built that tour. No, he built my bank account. No, he built that tour. <laughs> There's no question. We would not be hitting, sitting here. We. You're not on that tour, remember? No. You're not we. You you didn't, you're not we. You didn't let me finish my sentence. <laughs> all right, we. We Go would ahead. not be counting our money if it wasn't for Tiger Woods. We should all send him a case of no, wine every single year. No, you wouldn't be counting your money without Travis Johnson. No. He <laughs> created our tour. 1997, purses tripled because of him. I agree. You should thank him every single time you see him. And you don't because you're a selfish person. <laughs> I actually <laughs> And do that's why you're him. good at golf. <laughs> I actually do thank him. No, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> He'll see you soon. When? Tori. We'll see. Yeah. You usually miss that cut. So you won't see I him made it again. last year. First time ever. Not the first time ever, but the first time in I've year. definitely made more cuts at the Tori than you have. And I hit it like 220. Yeah, but you put good on horrible Bumpy, pulling the greens. That means you're a good putter. Or you like Plinko, one of the two. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to go off on tangents. We we can go for hours over here. (laughs) How often do you guys get a chance to actually see each other and hang out? Not Usually not around a golf course. We don't like each other on the golf course because he beats me every time, according to John. So I'm not going to go hang out with him on the golf course because I don't like to lose. So we'll we'll hang out. At, we both got. Uh, I've got a wakeboard boat. He's got a, a cruiser of some sort in Long Beach. I don't know what 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 kind of boat do you call that? Does it matter? <laughs> it's a boat you go on and you right, wakeboard so, behind it, and you can go to restaurants and bars. And yeah, I have a dog. It's cool. Everything's it's, good, man. Everything's amazing. Actually, I mean, why you gotta just dig? <laughs> well, I've got a wakeboard boat. You can't. You don't even use it though. I use it once a year. Yeah, I know. I use my like once a week. <laughs> if, if that's what you're looking I for. I told you we'll go on tangents. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, no, we, us, we usually hang out near the water with usually a, a beverage in our hand. And, uh, and not a golf club. Fortunately, our club. wives love each other. They like each other way more than we like each other. So we get our families <laughs> together during the holidays and have a good time. You know, you mentioned boats. You mentioned wakeboarding. Do you guys find both together and separate with your families? Like what... What are the things that you're drawn to outside of the tour, or outside of the job, outside of golf that, you know, that, that recharges you, that makes it almost worthwhile to like then go back and, and get back into that grind? I either I'm water or snow and I'm pretty much up for anything for activities, whatever. This guy, he just sits on his couch. Like that's all I do. He fakes treadmills it and then shoots 65. I, it's amazing. I don't do anything at all ever in my life and i just keep keep getting better every year it's it's crazy it's amazing 
Phenomenal. I just, man, I just, I just wish you had some confidence. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know, one of my favorite trips anywhere in the world is uh, Lake Powell, speaking of water and wakeboard. Uh, I'm a huge fan of getting off the grid. Uh, Lake Powell, your cell phone doesn't work. Uh, nobody can get a hold of you. You get a group of X amount of people that you want to hang out with. No one knows you. You don't need a Sharpie. Unless John Mallinger comes on the trip, but he hasn't been invited yet. <laughs> <laughs> you invite me every year, and I cancel. Yeah, he's he's been real busy with his schedule. <laughs> Next year, I invite John to play golf three times a week, and he turns me down. That's not every true. time. But he shows up at the golf course the same time he wanted to play. I always talk about there's a lot of parallels because I like to consider myself very close to a professional athlete, as you guys are. Thank you for not laughing. Professional hobbyists. <laughs> hobbyists. Yeah, yeah. Well, all golfers want to be musicians, and all musicians want to be golfers. So that's, I think, why we there, get along some, a little bit. It's weird how that transition that. Yeah. goes from a, a real athlete, and then they get done, they're like, all they want to do is golf. Well, the only difference is, is golfers drink way more than musicians do. Is, isn't and it? athletes. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you give up on every other sport, you land at golf. Is that yeah? I mean, if you look like like hockey players, football guys, baseball, when they get done with their careers, which is usually like thirty to thirty five, all they want to do is golf. They're retired. They're like they have nothing else to do, and they want to get out of the house because they have newborns or something. And <laughs> they want to golf, <laughs> so they come to us. And they're like, "Oh my god, you guys have the greatest world ever." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I yeah. mean, we've we've been fortunate to meet. Is that why you're out of the house, Brendan? Yeah, tonight? that's why I'm out of house. I got newborn, wife sick at home. <laughs> I'm, I'm no, but you're not an athlete. Really scoring points. And you're a right golfer. Now. So what's your excuse? Uh, I don't know. <clears throat> if you're in a band, if you're doing music, you definitely have to set your own schedule. You've got to be kind of the master of your own destiny. Your success begins and ends with what you're willing to put into it or with in a weird way a band can be a little bit different because you got a couple different guys so you got to have the right set of guys but for golf like with you guys and what you're doing how important in your junior development was that where do you find like the setup for success for that after that like when you're on your own i finished college and now like i'm on my own and i'm trying to figure out how much do i want to put into music how much do my day goes into being in a band even to your story john about your dad talking about we've put in this x amount of dollars into this at this point hobby at what point do we give up the dream yeah this is something charlie's really good at and i hate to say it but he's like the ultimate pro when it comes to a pro golfer he's the guy that will sit down at the end of the year he'll analyze his game he'll break down his every single stat he's going to look to get better at wherever that small little thing is to get better but he's still going to keep up his strengths. So you never want to lose like your strengths in your game. So whatever it is, you're driving, your irons, you're putting. But wherever that weakness is, he'll spend an extra like 30% of that time getting better at that. But he keeps up the other part where I see guys that will leave their strengths to go work on their weaknesses and then they'll lose that part. Golf's very fickle. I mean, you got to be very, very, very real with yourself as far as like, all right, this is where I am in my life. This is where I might golf. And you got to set your priorities and you got to set a schedule and you got to really stick to it. If you have a 6 a.m. workout and you decide to go have some beers the night before, you still got to get your 6 a.m. workout. It doesn't matter. You got to make a decision and you got to commit. It's the only way to get better because everybody in this world right now is 23 years old and really good at golf and they're bombing it. 
Charlie's you know, 40 years old is almost 41 in his prime right now, in my opinion. And he's getting better because he's figured out a system for himself, not for golf, not for anybody Not else. for everybody. This isn't a system that works for every individual by any means. But you have to be your own worst critic when it's ended. Now you have to be your own best motivator at the same time. During the year, you're going to motivate yourself. You're going to be the best person you can be. You're going to be happy with what you're doing and, and so on and so forth. But when it, when it comes time to grind, you got to go, I sucked at this. I messed up here. I didn't do this good. So on and so forth and go, how do I get better? Who do, who's going to make me better? How do I make myself better? Not many people can do that. It's something I have no problem doing is, all right, I sucked at closing this year. I didn't yeah, do very so good. So hire me and I'll help you close. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to hire a guy that's never closed in his life to help me close. I'm just going to go out on a limb <laughs> on that golf one. Or what? what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> All seriousness is like you can't – if you have to self-analyze yourself and see what you need to do better. But we're, we've got to we – we're the only people that push ourselves. And uh, you know what? Getting up in the morning, being, being the best person, working out. During the season, I do a lot of stretching and so on and so forth. But, I mean, I think staying flexible and being 40 years old is the most important thing than being the best shape I can be. But uh, sometimes it hurts you when you self-analyze, but I, I think it's gotten me a, a long ways in my career being able to see who I am and uh, be a better person uh, on the golf course. And it's it's hard to be able to sit back and go, I had a great year, but this last year, I, I, I think I had a great year, but I didn't do what I wanted to do. My main goal every single year is to win golf tournaments, and I didn't win a golf tournament. I had a lot of other things I did great, but I didn't win a golf tournament. That's why I set foot on every first tee of that tournament is to win a golf tournament. I didn't do that this year, so I actually consider this year not not very good year. I, that, I, I play tournaments to win golf tournaments, not to finish second, not to get on the President's Cup team, not to do this. I want to win golf tournaments. There's only one reason why I play is to win, and I didn't do that this year. I mean, I think that being said, you you did have a really good year. You played a lot of really good golf, and it is hard to close. Sometimes it's out of your hands. Like some yeah. other times, guys hit great shots. Sometimes guys give you the tournament. Yeah, this, so, this, you know, sometimes this, Ricky shoots sixty one. This year, right? Fortunately, guys believe me, I've, I've blown my fair share of golf tournaments, and I'll be the first person to tell you. This year, I actually got beat more often than not. I mean, we'll go the first one. Johnny Vegas in Canada beat me shooting 64. I mean, the next week, Hideki shot 60-something to beat me. Uh, This recently in Bahamas, Ricky shot, uh, Fowler shot 61 to beat me. It doesn't make you feel any better about it, but I I still could have shot 67 and beaten Ricky. I still could have done a better job of what I did. And you know what? That that is where I feed off of this time of year. The off season is how do I get better? And I've done two fifty th- a year. I'll get you better. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple that I'm not going to take his advice, and I'll keep getting better the way I get better. Mm. There may be a, a different solution to that, but I'm pretty sure I'm a good, really good road right now, and uh, I'm going to have a better year next year. There's no question in my mind. At least that confidence is still low. <laughs> can't teach that nobody ever played any good golf it's with like, a lot of confidence it's like speed in the nfl you can't teach that well good one <laughs> <laughs> i think what you said though is pretty smart and i actually caught some some veiled compliments from john to charlie there john i don't know if it's that tough. Was a, it's tough but i 
I gotta admit it. And and I see it I see it coming from Charlie your way as well. No. No. The immediate no. The truth I think in there too is that there is like a an introspection that's needed for sure for any kind of growth, any kind of improvement, any kind of success. Um, you need to first and foremost be honest with yourself and where you're at, what you want to do going from there. I also saw it in Brennan. You know, there's a transition stage in life where he had to basically say, am I going to keep playing golf or am I going to, you know, go forward? And I felt like once he got on tour and he started hanging out with the right people, Keegan and Phil, he started getting more confidence in himself. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. You, you hang out the with bottom line. Phil Mickelson and, and it's going to rub off on you a little For bit. For sure. You know, Your whether it's just the confidence yeah. or, or seeing that maybe he doesn't hit perfect shots all the time and... Um, maybe he teaches you a shot here or there, gives you some insight into your game that helps you along, which he's done for me on numerous occasions, whether it's helping with chipping, helping with mental game, talking to me about, you know, I, I had the lead in the PGA championship in 2011 going to the last round and totally imploded. And he talked to me about that after the, after the tournament was over and all that stuff is helpful moving forward. So, I mean, it's great to have guys like that, that you can talk to. John thinks he has all the answers to everything, but that's that's not true at all. I don't have it at all. John, John likes to text me uh, that he's going to yell at me if I'm if I stop being a dickhead. Well, stop being so freaking nice on tour and start being more like Charlie. <laughs> you got to no. be selfish in golf. You so gotta, this has been a long. You, gotta, you, you know, gotta, you gotta. If you want to win, you got to be selfish. You yeah, but be I'm going to jump in here for a second. About think Phil. of all the great players in I'm the not, world. You're not talking. I am. <laughs> okay, <laughs> President's Cup guy. <laughs> no, I'm going I'm to talk about Phil for a second and. Uh, the guy that gets a little, I mean, in the media is a good guy, but I would say behind closed doors there might be some tour guys that don't agree with everything he does. But Phil, I know for Brendan and I, have been has been a great mentor. He's a guy that we play with on a regular basis, but he's not scared to go, hey, you need to do this better. You need to try to do this and so on and so forth. And I, I think it's helped us. I'll give a President's Cup story if you want. I mean, uh, <laughs> shocker. John wants it. Well, well. Initially, shocker. initially, Phil and I were going to play together. It was sort of like the team that was going to play together. Wait, you tell him the story before the week before. Oh, I like the story. Wait, from the week before. Before. Right. Oh, this is good because it was you too. It was going to be the same same thing, but we can start with that story. Sure. Is Phil couldn't find the? He just finished fifth in Boston. I mean, played great to get on. Pretty much get on the President's Cup team because who knows if he was going to be on the team if he didn't finish fifth. He was on the team. Oh, I don't know about he that. He was on the team. All right. All right, Captain Malinger. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, he played his ass off to get on the team, to validate himself on that team. We played literally three days later, and the guy couldn't find the golf course. He's on the phone with the instructor. Hey, what do I do here? Malinger's giving him tips. He's hitting even more crooked. I mean, it's it's unreal. <laughs> so I didn't give him any tips. He was not my partner. Yeah, you did. You, to- you kept telling him to take it back slow and wide. Instead of hinging like it up. picking it up weird and open. Yeah, but you, you did tell him. <laughs> well, anyway. I mean, not many people would tell Phil Mickelson what to, what to do. I, That's I, why well, he respects you so much, John. I kind of watched him for a long yeah. time. Like, anyways, this is what you did for anyways, a long time. Besides John Mallinger tips. So we get to the President's <laughs> Cup finally, and uh, we we switch teams. He really likes Damn, him. no he, respect. <laughs> Kisner, Kisner, he... As we all know, Mickelson's like an energy guy. He believes in energy that people bring to the table. And Kisner has a ton of energy. And that week, Kisner was supposed to play with Chapel, and I was supposed to play with Phil anyways. It ended up flip-flopping. And Kisner goes out the first nine holes and plays them. 
and Phil doesn't hit a fairway, doesn't hit the golf course, and he's like, how am I supposed to play alternate shot with those two? I mean, how are you going to do that? And he's like, this is impossible. They're playing best ball. And then they flip the format, and they go alternate shot, and Phil didn't miss a shot, an alternate shot. The next day they play, and they end up. I think they end up having, and Phil didn't miss a fairway. The only fairway that was missed was by Kisner. So, I mean, Phil has that switch to be able to, I mean, he works really hard on what he wants to do, and he has this vision of what he wants to do. But when it's game time, it's game time. There's no thought of that afterthought of what he's trying to do. He just wants to kick your ass. He just wants to make the putt. He just wants to hit the, hit the shot in the fairway. It doesn't matter what his technique is. But he, he, we go out and play with him, and it's like he's always working on something to get better. I'm like, if I've made as much money as Phil, I've had as much success as Phil, I wouldn't be working nearly as hard as he does. And that, for me, a, a drive to go well, I'm not doing half as what I need to do, and I think I do a lot. I mean, that guy is 40-something years old, late 40s, I think he's 48, and he's still trying to get better each and every day. It doesn't matter if it's in the gym, doesn't matter on the golf course, putting, I mean, short game, driving. The guy looks to get better each and every day, and that's what, I mean, that I, I pull from Phil. I know Brendan doesn't, and he's not scared to give his tips. He's not scared to help other people out. And I think that's why the younger guys enjoy being around Phil because he's not scared to give out his information to try to make you better. It's funny you say that because that week we played uh, at Shea, and then I went to the, the event in Chicago the next week, and I went to say hi to him in Chicago. He literally looked right through me like I wasn't even there. He clicks in events like you've never seen in your life. It's all of a sudden he is so zoned and... He just is so dialed at what he's doing. And then when we're playing, like, at home, he's all interactive. And then I see him. And we're, and ever since, all of a sudden, it was just like, I don't even know you. It's almost just part of his process, No, right? for sure. He's, That's he's just what he does. He's out there, and, and he's trying to do a million different things to find the secret. For or the sure. secret, at least for that week, or maybe for, you know, the next major, where it's like, I mean, he's told me before, oh, at Augusta, I'll hit it longer than I hit it for the entire rest of the year. Because I do my speed training leading up to it, and that gets me the fastest for the first week in April. So he's always got his plan, you know, whatever it is. He's always even though he's full of complete shit. It's a (laughs) a plan. It's a complete plan, and he believes he'll convince you of the plan. Yes, these lights right here are giving him so much energy right now. I mean, it it gives me energy, which gives Phil energy, and a nice tan, which will make him (laughs) pop better. No, but Phil has his things, and you know what? If you believe in everyone, what you're doing, has their things. Well, it's like that magnetic bracelet you're probably wearing right now. That, oh yeah, I wear so much jewelry. <laughs> Mally, what are your things? Uh, I carry one T and a quarter in my pocket and a chapstick. So, how often do you have to go back to your bag for another T? Not very often. I don't really break. He doesn't. Tees. I don't compress the ball. He doesn't so swing it hard swing enough. Hard Does enough? that have to do with <laughs> no the patented Mally T lean? Yeah, so you, you got to lean it back to compress up because I don't hit up on it. So, you know, and we're all superstitious. I carry my glove in my left pocket. That's about it. All my clubs are in the same spot. What do you guys got? I would call it a routine more than superstition. I mean, I get to the golf course at a specific time. I'm, I'm usually about two hours prior. And majority of that times in, in a gym or we'll call it the trailer, which I'll only be on the range probably for 20, 30 minutes while I'll be doing other stuff. Now... I don't have how many tees or how much change, but I'm very routine-oriented, uh, and uh, I'll go from there. I mean, some people wear a certain shirt on a certain day and so on and so forth, and I, I'm not that guy. I'll just wear whatever's maybe clean on, the, on a Saturday or Sunday. There's there's no rhyme or reason behind any of that. Brandon, what do you got? I know you got something. My stuff's not too weird. Right, uh, let's let's make, make this clear. 
It's Brendan, not Brandon. My best friends all call me Brandon. Yeah. Brandon. <laughs> Mally always likes that when somebody I goes, did. oh, I play so much golf with that Brandon. You got Brondon the other day at Brown. Starbucks. Yeah, Starbucks. But the Starbucks is okay. I mean, they don't know me in there. But The Don of Brown. They should. You're there every morning. That's true. But Mally and I will be somewhere and, and somebody will come up and be like, oh, yeah, I play with Brandon all the time. I mean, he's around the club. And we hang out. and We're such good friends at Brandon. I mean, maybe my thing is that I'm I'm too nice. That's what you always give me a hard time for. He's been working on me for about six or seven years to become more of a jerk. And he's won like two or three times in the last six or seven years. Oh, all credit to John Mallinger. Negative. <laughs> Talking about himself again. And trying to make me you more of a jerk. for 40 minutes on yourself and no one said a word. Just <laughs> heads up. Because it was, it was obviously riveting. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> to yourself it was. <laughs> I think as far as superstition goes, I'm I'm a little closer to Charlie. Like I I kind of show up at the same time and and go through my routine. Like I put a little bit um, before the round, a little bit more technique oriented, and then I go to the range. I hit a few chips, and then I come back and do more performance putting stuff. And then I always like to try to make like two six footers in a row before I tee off, just as like to see a couple balls go in the hole. But it doesn't always happen. Sometimes I I run to the tee and I'm like, ah, didn't make any putts. <laughs> it's gonna be a rough day. And sometimes it's not. I mean, I think that's the funny thing about warm-ups and stuff is that sometimes you, you're out there and you're like, oh, I can't miss a shot. This is going to be an amazing day. And you get out and you block the first one into the trees and you're, you have no clue what you're doing the rest of the day. And then other times you have a horrible warm-up and you get out on the course and for some reason everything feels great, just like totally changes. I don't really know why that is. Maybe it's just your expectations go down if your warm-up is terrible and your expectations go up if it's great. But What about music? How do you guys warm up? Is there a routine or is it more of a feel? Everybody's different. It's always going to be different from band to band, depending on who you talk to. I don't have much of a routine. I usually try to you just I, feel it out. I stretch a little bit. I might. I mean, generally, if there's like a song in the set that I'm that we haven't played for a while that we're not we're not used to, then I'll try to run that like before we go out on stage. And then for us, uh, generally every night before we play, we'll we'll take a moment to get together kind of come together as a group and just make it a point to share kind of where we're at that day yeah the day itself you know on tour can be pretty busy and everybody can kind of be all over the place in the couple hours leading up to a show three guys might be doing this press or this interview over here two guys might be doing you know entertaining their friends and family who are out that night one guy might be doing some like obligations with sponsors or whatever everyone's kind of all over the place doing different stuff so We've tried to make it a rule that uh, every time we've played for the last maybe 20 years, right before we play, we, we call it the huddle. It's not it's not a prayer, but it's just an opportunity for us to kind of say, like, this is where we're at. This is what we're playing tonight. This is why we're grateful for it. This is what we're doing. Like, let's make sure we try to just get together. enjoy it. Yeah. When, when B and I first started hanging out, I think that was like a thing that we started talking about that we just realized we had a lot in common was – a lot of times you take it for granted that you get to do something that's pretty awesome, like for your job and myself included. Like that's, it's easy to be out on the road for a long time for us and to just kind of be bummed, like to be missing home and not realize that you get to do something that's pretty special and almost in a weird way, start to resent it because of what you're missing out on that you'd almost, you'd rather be doing with your friends or family or whatever. And you're, you're kind of, you're missing the forest for the trees at that point, right? you kind of need a little bit of a reboot to say, this is a pretty special thing that I do get to do. I can acknowledge the fact that it's like tough in this moment. I don't want to be traveling. I'm sick of being away from home, but at the same time, like I'm doing something that I love 
I'm getting re- you know paid respectably for it, obviously, and a lot of people would love to be doing this in my stead, and and so I gotta at least acknowledge the fact that I'm pretty fortunate to be able to be doing this. You know, everybody in this room, all of us have had our successes. We all have like families. We all have kids. At a certain point, I think it's really interesting guy to guy to see like what what keeps you motivated. Early on, it was kind of funny. We made fun of him at the moment, but Mike Shinoda from the band, this was before we had any record out, before we had anything happening for us. We kind of said like, what are our goals for, for Lincoln Park? What do we want to do? Some of us were like, oh, I want to play a show at the whiskey, you know, and sell it out. Like I want to like, that's like a small LA club mm-hmm. or I want to do this or that. And Mike's Mike came in with like, I want to win a Grammy. I want to do this. And I want to do this. Like, it was like, it was crazy high goals and expectations, which obviously we then ended up, were able to do that. It kind of rebooted that drive of like, what do you want to do now? Regardless of where you're at, you have an opportunity to reset expectations, reset the bar, you know, for what you want to, what you want to reach. So for us, like in this room, I think, and, and golf is an interesting thing in that too. Some guys, they want to get on tour. That's like a big goal. Some guys, they want to win on tour. Some guys, they want to win a major. Like, do you guys find, you know, and, and John, you too, like at this stage for where you're at, what do you find that kind of keeps you motivated? Or, or maybe you're not motivated. Like maybe you're just kind of like, eh, I don't know. But what is it that, that pushes you? My motivation is a little bit down right now. You're not motivated. Is that what Not as much. I had some success with Travis Matthew. We sold to Callaway. We have a great deal with my family. Everything's everything's all good. I actually want to try to give back to the game a little bit as much as I can. If I can help people, whether juniors from my club, uh, I still love playing all the time. I'm still going to keep playing. I still like. I feel like I can play, but if I don't, I'm not going to be disappointed because I felt like I I spent my time on the tour. But I'm in a different spot in my life. I mean, you know, I have a couple of kids, and I enjoy watching these guys play. I, I enjoy seeing them be successful. And if I can help out with anything I can, it'd be great. I'm still going to compete. I still want to play. But I'm not going to sacrifice a lot of my family time for it. The, yeah. the reality is, I'm going to answer this for him, because what he didn't say is the, the tour is in a, a situation now where you can't just get right back on tour and uh, where John's at. And I'm not going to say this is good or bad, but you can't go to Q school and then all of a sudden play six mm-hmm. good rounds or four good rounds of golf and get back on tour. You have to spend a year on the on, in the minors. If there was a Q school, yeah. I, I, I would go every year. I, I'd get through every single time, in my opinion. I would go back every single time and I would get through it because the I, reality I, I is the stats show he wouldn't do that, but he, he think he, he thinks he would, but the reality is he wouldn't. But well, mentally you got to think you can or what, you, you can't the, do it. The thing is, there's no opportunity for a guy like John to get back on tour without playing the web tour for a year. And the web tour for John with a family that's been successful and has money is not the greatest place. You don't want to be going to Wichita. You don't want to be going to Omaha. You don't want to be going to these cities and playing for uh, I, less than a, a million dollar purse. It might sound weird. I mean, but the winner getting X amount. It's you're not going to make any money. You're playing for a reason to get back on the tour, and it's hard. It's, you're going to play thirty something weeks or be on the road thirty weeks a year, trying to get back on tour. It's it's a hard road. There's only one upside, and that's if you get on tour. And then if you get on tour, then you got this crummy card that's not really a tour card that you're on tour but you have to work your way i mean we're getting a little off board here but it it's it's hard for for john who can go and beat 
myself, Brendan, Phil, on any given day. We all know that. The tours put itself in a hard spot for guys like him to get back on tour. There's no there's no ups, right. there's not a ton of upside for him to get back on tour at this point. It's actually gonna cost him more money than it is worthwhile. Now if he wants to do a few Monday qualifiers and get on and try to get in a few tour events, he can do that. But to play a whole year on the web tour it what are you, thirty seven? I'm thirty eight. 38. I mean, it's it's tough to go out and spend a year on the web tour, going to these small towns. And uh, it's like, speaking of the music, but it's playing these small gigs, not getting paid any money to this to sort of reinvent yourself. And it's not really worth it. Unfortunately, that's just where the tours come. The, 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 and that's where we're at. And uh, it's a decision he's made. Now, there's no there's no doubt in my mind if he wanted to do it, he'd be back on tour. But that's he's the gonna, nicest thing you've ever said in your life to me, ever. But he like, doesn't literally but, ever. But he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but there's no problem with that. I've, I've sure. Had, yeah. I mean, there, I've had plenty of friends. Chris Riley comes to mind, which I I played college golf with Ryder Cup or not. The guy sort of I went I wouldn't say quit the tour, but sort of lost all interest in the tour X amount of years ago because he didn't want to play. He didn't want to travel from away from his family. He didn't want to even go grind it out on tour. I mean, you, family time is invaluable, and money doesn't put a number to i mean it doesn't mean anything when it comes to family time so i think you got to respect john for doing that not not sacrificing his family to do what he loves he still gets to play golf he still gets to hang out with the guys but uh he's doing what he wants to do he gets to go out and hang out but he's just not traveling quite as much as he used to and uh he seems to be happy and uh that's the most important thing i am that Charlie, was, kind of, that was he, kind of weird. I got kind of yeah, <laughs> that was real heavy for you. I mean, we're, we're kind of coming. I mean, almost, that kind of felt like a best man speech or something. <laughs> we're, we're almost coming full I, circle with you guys. Do I, do I want to say thank you? <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> do we actually do like each other? Yeah. I, think. I think we do. All right, let, is, let's is air this hug. Like a therapy, air hug. A ther- air hug. A therapy session. Air, air hug. hug. <laughs> I mean, sorry, we went full tangent. We just, pretty good for a while you guys did great without you guys really held without it together without killing each other or yeah like, i mean too much we shit. each gave each one compliment one each, each and that's yeah. all we got i mean <laughs> and you're sitting you're sitting next to each like, other and it's been reg- relatively yeah. cordial i know you know it's, it's uh, commendable it, there's definitely no fighting ever it's just no just, i learned that we just a argue my young age you're not allowed to touch john no touching well we had an incident <laughs> please record this <laughs> So we were in the Bahamas. We went on a trip. In the what? In the Bahamas. Okay. Open your mouth. Pronunciate. <laughs> What's it called? <laughs> so we went on a trip, right? We're pl- we're in a casino in the Bahamas, and we're playing caps. Yeah. I don't know if everybody's familiar with caps, but you open up every beer you open, you get a cap. Yeah. We're throwing and caps, and you throw each- a cap and a cup. Yeah, the, the chug. The, you have to chug. The and beer. I never miss, so he's drinking a lot. Are you at the? I'm Atlant- not drinking at all. At the Atlantis? Yes. Okay. So I'm not drinking at all, right? So Charlie decides to hit me in the face because he's upset. I said, "Listen, dude, you don't hit your friends in the friends? face. Friends? No, friends don't hit friends in the face." <laughs> so I open hand him. Palm strike. Palm strike in the cheek. I've never hit him since. Ever since. You've been good. <laughs> It, it gave him a little stun. I respect it. Yeah, I've got I was no like, problem with hey, it. man, friends don't hit friends in the face. <laughs> was True this story. a martial arts background? True story. 
You have a little bit of martial arts background there? No, he just he was so drunk he couldn't hit it with the fist and forgot the clothes. <laughs> no, tried, I, know, tried I, know to, this, <laughs> I know this is going to hurt them. a lot harder. <laughs> tried to he slap. Really the slap isn't going to do anything. He had a cap in your fingers, right? Oh, I, I mean, my, that was my left hand. I was, it was so past that point. I, I mean, I, I couldn't miss. <laughs> with your success and what you've done, what, what do you find? Or do you focus on anything that keeps you motivated or keeps you interested? Like I said earlier, the drive to get better is what motivates me uh, in winning. I haven't been a part of enough of these team events. Now playing the President's Cup was amazing, but that doesn't that doesn't drive me personally. It's it's winning golf tournaments and getting better each and every year, which is hard at my age to get better every year. My body doesn't move like it used to. I don't hit quite as far as I used to. But if I improve on the categories, like John was saying, I I analyze what I need to do better, and uh, that's what drives me just to get better each and every year. And I've got. This year, I've got a, a, a great sense of where I want to be next year, and I, I feel better wedge play. The m- most confident that I've ever been. This is this is bold that I've ever felt going into an off season. Uh, I'm going to have more time off than I've ever had off. I'm not going to play for a bunch of weeks. Uh, and you know what? It I can't wait to play, which is not like every off season. You you talk to people and they're like, "Oh, I want to. I don't want to play. I don't want to play." I I'm taking time off in a period of time where I can't wait to play golf. I'm really, really excited to wear my games out. And you know what? I've I've felt like this never in my life. I don't know where it's going to lead lead me. I could have a horrible year. I don't know. Uh, But I'd be shocked if that happened. That's always been a huge thing for me is is taking enough time off and taking it off the right way to where you're excited to go play. Mm, No question. Because if you're not excited to play, you can't play well. Mm. And people always like – you know, they see you when you're home and stuff, and they're like, oh, why aren't you playing this week? Is there no tournament? It's like, well, there's always a tournament. I'm not going to play every week. And there's if I played every week. There's 40 events a year. No, there's there's like 50 every, or something. Every single week, there's an event. I mean, I've found that I play my best when I take a couple weeks off, and I'm really excited to get back out there. If I'm just going, oh, I have to play this week, I'm not going to play that well. So that's been a big thing for me to learn over the last few years, and I think the older I get, the more I understand that. It makes it a little bit easier on me. But, I mean, that's that's something that at 27, when I first got on the PGA Tour, I had no idea. I just played every week, and I didn't know what I was doing. But there's no right formula. Brendan Steele formula is going to be different than Phil Mickelson's formula, John Mallinger formula. Charles Hell, he plays every week. He plays every week. Plays 30 like, events, I, once, once I get in, year, the, you know? get in the groove during the year, I like to play. I enjoy playing week after week. Uh, now, when I take time off, I enjoy taking time off. It's uh, I'd rather play consecutively during the middle of the year and take more time off and off 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 called off season. Like I haven't gone to Asia in the last few years. Now, Asia's amazing. They got some great events in Korea and China and so on and so forth. But it's just some, something I've always taken off because I've never wanted to go over there. There may be a time in my career that I want to go over there, but during the middle of the year, I want to play. I like to play. I enjoy playing. And you know what? That formula. Like, may not work for Kuchar. It may not work for somebody else, but that's the formula I've found. And that's the best thing about golf is you need to find the right formula to make you the best person you can be. It's just like drinking this beer we're having now. Ballast Point down the road has a different formula, but they make a great beer. The brewery has an amazing formula here, and they make a great beer. It's completely different, right? but they're, b- both their beers are great beers. And this they, is great brewery, by the way. <laughs> amazing. Let's get to the true point. Yeah. This, this brewery is amazing. I mean, let's give him some credit. <laughs> but uh, John's he, always such a good pitch man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Guys, thank you so much for being here. Firstly, huge thanks goes out to the brewery for hosting us. They've done an Is awesome firstly job. Firstly, a word. I just made it a word. All right, just checking. I just, I've never, Charlie, I've come never on. Be, before first. Yeah, year. that firstly. I don't firstly. know if you know Charlie. That's pretty much Charlie right there in a nutshell. <laughs> Mal, Mally, he'll pretty much just call you're you gonna, out regardless. You're going to back me up on this, right? 100%. Firstly. All right. Firstly, is a word. If I've learned anything about you two guys, I know that if one guy's against me, the other guy's definitely for me. Back. I'm <laughs> with that, you. Okay. So I got John on this yeah. one. Firstly, <laughs> Huge thanks goes out to the brewery for hosting us this entirety of our first season here. I remember guests, they provided us with some awesome beers to sample and all of our recording equipment and a space to use. So they've been great to us. Secondly, <laughs> you've arrived today as guests. You leave now as members. You're always welcome back. Any final thoughts? We'll start with John. I just want to thank everyone for the, the time. The brew is amazing. The beer was awesome. Everything was so amazing except for Charlie. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we, I mean, we, I mean, it's, a, it's such a love hate relationship. I don't know how to explain it. Brennan, you're awesome. Thanks for having us. I will work on being more of a jerk for you. I, I prefer to be just a jerk to you. No, just nice keep doing your else, thing. But... You're doing all right. But if you just come to the dark side of touch, you might, you'll win like three or four times a year. We should he, talk. he told me the same same thing. That's there's not that many turns. Yeah, and you still can't close. Uh, all I know is my winning percentage in this room is probably higher than both of you. So I'm no, a winner. No, because compared to both of you, you've so. never won Incorrect. with the lead. I've never won with the lead after seven or fifty four holes. You're right. You're right. You're right. I know well, your stats. The best part about that is you've never had a lead after fifty four holes. <laughs> You're right, but I don't care, <laughs> and I'm completely happy with it. Charlie, I'm just trying to make you better, Charlie. You know, you're right, John. That's you're, all I'm trying you're to do. Peacemaker. Charlie, we're going to give you a chance for any final wisdom. You know what? Despite the traffic coming up here from San Diego, it's been an amazing time enjoying some great beers here at the brewery that I've never had before. Uh, I love the banter of any podcast. I've definitely done more podcasts than I ever listened to. So hopefully, everybody out there enjoys uh, what we did today, and uh, we had a great time. This is this is truth. This is honest, and uh, don't take it for more than what it's worth, but uh, we had a great time tonight. So may your drives fly straight, your guitars stay tuned, now and forever. Adios. Thanks, guys. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Awesome. <coughs> guys, thanks for coming out. Really fun. Yeah, yeah. The best part of it, I, I even stuck a Sharpie in my pocket for you. Of course you did. Because <laughs> every time I go to a charger game, he puts a Sharpie <laughs> in his pocket. I'm like, dude. No one knows you're. And then, like, three people come and he goes, I told you so. I'm like, I'll see you. And I'm like, three people. <laughs>